Hey, welcome back to Figuring Out the 40s. This is episode 14. I can't believe that I've been at this for 14 episodes. Well, here I am. Today's episode is dedicated to everything going on right now in America. I've decided to change up the format of my podcast a little bit. It is about figuring out the 40s, but I'm really giving a perspective on life, current events, issues, things that are affecting me as a 41-year-old African-American woman in America. And I'm sure if you are if unless you're living under a rock, you're very aware of what's going out on in America. It's the year 2020. It's June the sixth month. We've been hit with COVID. We've been hit with 40 million unemployed and now we've been hit with the deaths of George Floyd, Brianna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery. And so all that has done is shed light on everything that we as people of color have been saying that there is systematic racism in this country and it did not start yesterday. It didn't start four years ago with Eric Garner or six years ago with Trayvon Martin. It started way before that. But in this episode, I'm going to talk about discovering, uncovering and unleashing your black privilege. Now, yeah, we look in the news everywhere and we see everything about white privilege. And listen, for those of you who don't understand or won't grasp what white privilege is, it's pretty simple. Let me break it down in layman's terms for you. When you are born white, you are born with unalienable rights that you have. You are more likely to get a job. You are less likely to be seen as a perpetrator or um, somebody who commits a crime. You are more likely to be seen as safe. What you say is more likely to be deemed as correct. When you are black, it's almost the complete opposite. I remember growing up, something my mother and father told me, and I tell my girls, my two beautiful black girls, you have to be better than to be seen as equal to in America. What's that mean? I got to be better at singing. I got to be better at my grades. I got to be better at dancing, better at anything I do just to be given a chance or to be seen as equal to because otherwise I will get looked over, dismissed, talked about and not given a chance. So I've got to work harder. And so that's what you call white privilege. Okay, now the opposite of that in this season, I say it's time for us to claim our black privilege. What is black privilege? Well, you look up, everybody now got Black Lives Matter. I stand with you. I support you. I'm this. Okay, so if this is what you all are doing, then let's go back. It's time to rewind and grab some things back. For years, the housing market has been geared towards white people. It is a proven fact that black people were given higher interest rates. Um, They were more likely to be denied for the loan, even if they had the credit, even if they had the income. Um, Even if you look at the neighborhoods of African-Americans, the price of houses in certain neighborhoods would be up higher because it was a predominantly African-American neighborhood. So it's time we go back. Let's operate in some black privilege. Give us fair banking practices. Um, Give us fair lending practices. Let's talk about small business loans. For years, it's been so hard for African-Americans to get small business loans. Is this the time when the banks will open up, when they'll be more likely to give it to us? And I'm not talking about these programs for people that make less than $25,000 a year, but I'm talking about real startup programs for African-Americans. 
Let's talk about HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities. Now, when my parents were coming up, HBCUs are truly the only option, especially when you're in the South. I've heard my mother talk about Fisk University and my both of my parents um, went to Tennessee State. Just about everybody in my family went to Tennessee State. I know people that went to Delaware State, Lincoln University, all of these great HBCUs. But in the news lately, if you take a look at it, a lot of those schools are closing their door. I saw where Morris Brown has recently closed. Um, it was some schools in Maryland, HBCUs that have had to close through the years. And it's due to lack of funding, lack of resources. So you have to understand why these schools were started. They were started for people of color because we were not given the options. When you look at like um, Bethune-Cookman, when you look at all those colleges, they were started just for us. We didn't have the option to go to the University of's and the something states. Those were not our options. So we had to pave our own way. We had to pave our own path. Well, I'm saying let's operate in this black privilege start putting back money in hbcus i am somebody who graduated from a predominantly white college but my first year of college and i had five because i had to repeat my first year was at delaware state university at hbcu i had a great time my first year for me and my particular program and what i wanted to do I transferred. I had a great time at the University of Delaware, but I'm telling you, it was a world of difference. Um, some good, some bad. The one thing I'll say about my HBCU experience was it was beautiful to be sitting in a school in a campus where I felt like people got me. We were on the same page from the marching band to the music classes. Just, um, you know, it's different when you're around your people. Now, when I transferred up to University of Delaware, I will say it was beautiful um, the experience, but it was a different type of black person. I'm going to be totally honest with you. I felt like they were a little bit more focused, grounded, but we also understood it was almost like we represented a race to people because I remember having white roommates, um, my first set of roommates who really didn't know anything about black people, asking about our hair, asking about our culture, some things about us. Oh, you guys eat that? So when I transferred, I realized I was their representation of black. And I think most of us knew that, whether it was the professors or the students, so we acted different. But if we're talking about black privilege, pour that money into the HBCUs, because some of those schools are falling apart. And it's not that the students are not as smart, it's not that they're not as motivated or driven, but you gotta understand, if you're dealing with a first-generation college student, then their family is just blessed and fortunate to give them an opportunity that they didn't get. And again, we are less than 160 years from slavery, three generations out. So you have to be very aware that we, my friends, have never been given the opportunity of privilege. But if they're doing this, let's operate in our black privilege. Let's look at corporate America. Let's look at these huge corporations that are coming out with these elaborate speeches about how they support us and they support diversity in the workplace. I need to see your corporate board. Does anybody on the board look like me? Does anybody look like an African-American woman, an African-American man? I'll even take anybody of color. And if they don't look like me, then listen, we want to exercise our what? Our black privilege. Let's put some people out there who look like us. Let's have some people that represent us. Let's have some people that speak for us. And I'm not talking about somebody on the board who is just like, oh, you know, I'm just here, but um, I don't speak up for my people. No, we, pe we need people to make changes in the workplace. Again, let's operate our black privilege. Policing. Now, I've been seeing some stuff today about defunding, 
the police department and um, dismantling the police department. I'm not here for all that, okay? Because I think police serve a very vital place in our community. And I know some people might disagree, but I think policing is necessary. I think we need right type of policing, good policing. For most of you, you have to look back and see the history of the police department, though, especially down south. They were created really just to police who? The black people. They were created to keep us in check, to instill fear. Most of the people who were police officers were the head people of the KKK. So that's why, and again, slavery is only 160 years out. Um, Jim Crow laws are less than 100. So you have to understand this. Systematic racism plays into family lines and family lineages. And so when you come from a family where they talk down and talk about people of color, then you got to understand it's not far out from the people today. So I definitely think police departments are necessary, but I think we need to revamp it. But how do you change how somebody thinks? How do you change somebody's heart? You can't. You have to have different people, a different breed of people. When you look out at all these marches, they're not filled with just black people. These don't look like the marches of the 60s that I saw. These marches, some of them are filled with more white people than brown or black people. You look out and they're holding signs that say Black Lives Matter. For once, black privilege is taken front and center. People are appreciating us. Maybe they're feeling bad. I made a post and I said, I've got more messages from coworkers, friends, associates that said, I'm sorry, um, white people. And at first I was like, I'm sorry. And then I realized they were sorry for a couple of reasons. One, probably because they didn't believe us when we told them. And I've always been very vocal about things. So when I told them that racism still exists in 2017, 18, 19, 12, I, I think they didn't believe me. So now they're saying sorry. Second, I think they're saying sorry that we're in this situation in 2020 and we're still having to deal with this. Or third, they're just saying sorry because I'm black. And <laughs> they know that even after all this, there's still going to be some obstacles that we'll face just because we are people of color. But either way, I say thank you. I say thank you for acknowledging the fact that we have not been dealt the best hand, but some kind of way we make it. And so I say, run with this black privilege. And if it's not established, then create it. Remind people. Let's remind people of what they said. Let's remind them of these posts they made and these elaborate letters they made and these um, comments that they have and how the NFL came out now, even though they did not mention Colin Kaepernick. Let's remind them of this. Let's create a lane of black privilege. Let's get these loans. Let's get the loans from the black banks, from the black businesses. If you support, um, you think black lives matter, then support the black dollar, support the black business. Okay. It should not be a big deal when an African-American woman makes a hair product and target in Target, and she says, I did this so little black girls could know they could be successful. And then all of these people boycott it because she said it. She had to say it because most little black girls who try to start businesses are shot down when they try to, or the major corporations will not market their products. So she had to say that because she wanted to encourage little beautiful brown skin, melanin popping girls that you can make it too. This is what we have to do. So I don't know how exactly to, um, 
operate in your black privilege. But I say now is the best time that I've ever seen to be draped and wrapped in your melanin, loving it, sharing it with everybody, rock those natural hairstyles, drape that kente cloth across your neck if you want to, like the Democratic Congress people and senators did today and represent your blackness. It is a beautiful time to be African-American in America. And I know it ruffles a lot of feathers. And I know that George Floyd died a horrible death. And it made me physically sick to watch what was happening. I remember the first time, the only time, I saw that video. Somebody posted it on Facebook and I did not know what it actually was. I think it was the day it happened or possibly the day after. And I realized, I said, are we going to watch this man die? That's what I said out loud. And I remember I was in my family room and my daughters came because I guess I was just stunned. They saw me looking at the phone like, what's my mom looking at? And I said, we're watching this man die. And it was silent. And my kids knew that we were watching that man die. And they weren't necessarily shocked by it because unfortunately they live in a generation where they have seen several black people killed at the hands of police. This one was different though. And it was different because it took a long time with the other deaths. They were quick and I felt like people could say, I didn't mean to, it was a hasty decision. I didn't mean to shoot the 12 year old. I didn't mean to run in her house and shoot her eight times in her bed. I didn't mean to lynch him in his street. I didn't mean to kill him over a cigarette. I didn't mean to shoot him in the car with his fiance, with his daughter in the backseat. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to shoot the man when he was getting his, um, license and registration out of his glove compartment. I didn't mean to shoot the black man who was changing his tire. I'm giving you example of things that excuses that people made when they said they needed to know the whole side of the story or how it happened. But this could nobody convince anybody that this wasn't murder. Even the man in a white house said that. And I know it hurt him and sickened him to say it. But George Floyd He changed the trajectory of the entire world. And as tough as it is to think that you were born for a purpose, he was born for a purpose. And he was born for Trayvon and Eric and Brianna and Emmett Teal and everybody else. If nothing else, maybe he shed light to that. And maybe he unleashed what we call, what I call black privilege. So let's run with this. Let's see where it goes. Let's see how this March on Washington ends up on August 28th. Let's see how these protests tie out. Let's see how the pandemic ends. Let's see if people get back to their jobs, the 40 million unemployed. Let's see how schools open up. I don't know how it works. But what I do know is that this is a fine time to be draped and covered in melanin. So signing out from Figuring Out the 40s is Shannon Johnson. I hope you listen to this podcast. Do me a favor, share, like, comment. Let people know that we're sharing and we're talking on here. Again, I'm changing the the format of the podcast. You know, it's still going to be informative, but it's going to be a lot more fun, a lot more of me, and just a lot more sharing. I'm going to be having a couple of guests on in the future. I hope you're staying safe. Um, America is opening back up. 
the COVID quarantine season. I don't think it's gone. I don't know what's going on with it. But whatever it is, please put your mask on. Please follow directions. Keep six feet of social distancing away. If you are marching and protesting, please be careful. Remember, the looting is not really coming from the people of color. It's not coming from Black Lives Matter. It's coming from the people who are sent to destroy it. So be aware. Be uh, just just be aware. Keep your eyes open. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to Figuring Out the 40s. Have a great day. Bye-bye.